0: Some of you have heard of the title Mr. Irrelevant. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant is a rather mocking title, and it's given to the last professional football player who is drafted each year of the draft. There are 262 players picked, and he is the last one, and they call him Mr. Irrelevant. You know, being picked when you're the last one of like 10 people is embarrassing, kind of a hard pill to swallow. But being, having 261 people picked before you is quite the humility to embrace. Uh, Mr. Irrelevant has no one putting high expectations on him. His skills are deemed below average And so he ends up, in most years, Mr. Irrelevant ends up getting cut from the football team even before their first game. His title matches his reality. And in 2022, it was different. There was a man by the name of Brock Purdy who was chosen with the last pick of the draft, and he became Mr. Irrelevant that year. He played the quarterback position. There were two quarterbacks who ranked before him. They both got hurt, and he found himself playing his first game, and he did well. He actually did really well, and he kept doing really well. And so despite the low expectations, Mr. Irrelevant was now very relevant to the game of football. In fact, just this year, he is... In terms of quarterbacks, he's doing the best. He has the highest quarterback ranking. Mr. Irrelevant, his title, no longer matches his reality. And the night of Jesus' birth looked like an irrelevant night. There were lowly shepherds, a little town of Bethlehem, a baby in a manger. It was a humble night. And yet, it turned out to be the defining night of human history. A night that was announced by angels and then by an angel and then a multitude giving glory to God. It was a, it was a holy night. It was also a humble night. Jesus Christ is the most relevant person that ever was. And yet He humbled Himself and He came and entered human form in order to save us from our sins. And so in our passage, Luke chapter 2, it invites us to receive this good news of Jesus Christ. And nothing could be more relevant for each of us here tonight than the news that God has sent His Son. So the first Christmas was a holy night, a holy night. Look again at Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the flock, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. It was a holy night. Now that word holy, it means something set apart. Something that is... In a class by itself. And we know this word holy. We use it. No one says holy cow over something that's small or common. Or holy mackerel when you catch a fish that's this long. Unless you're joking. We know this word holy. It means in a class by itself. Something that's like no other. Well the angel appears shining in his glory. And then a multitude, that that means many, many heavenly hosts, praising and giving glory to God. I mean, what a way to announce. Now, this is before there was lights or special effects or sound machines or laser shows. This is how God announces the birth of His Son. It is no irrelevant night. And what's being announced? Look at the titles that are given. A Savior is born. Someone has come to address the biggest problem of the entire world. Our biggest problem is not social. It's not political. It's not economic. In fact, all such problems stem from the problem of problems, which is the problem of sin. Our sin before a holy God. Jesus came as a Savior. He came to save people from their sins. A Savior was born on this holy night. And He's born in the city of David. Now that connection goes back in the Bible very far where there's this expectation that there would be a king, a forever king, who would sit on David's throne. And that's Him, Jesus. He's called the Christ, which means Messiah, the long-awaited one, the anticipated one, the anointed one, the one who comes with the very power and the very authority of God Himself. That is who is born. And He's called the Lord. That's not a throwaway title. This is God Himself coming. And you don't get more relevant than God coming into this creation. So, the first Christmas, it was a holy night, a night set apart like no other. And then the first Christmas was also a humble night, a humble night. This grand announcement is not made in Rome or Alexandria or any other of the, the large cities of the time. It's not even made in Jerusalem, which is kind of what you would expect. Now, this announcement is made out in a field by a very small town. And you just, you just realize wait, this angel could have appeared anywhere, he could have appeared to anyone. Shepherds out in a field at night. I mean you don't get more common or irrelevant than shepherds. I mean this would be like announcing the greatest news in human history. No offense if this is your job, but a group of parking lot attendants just I mean who all just the things that they would not expect this to happen. We don't even know the shepherds names. In fact, in the record of the Bible, these shepherds never show up again. They seem so irrelevant. And the angel appears to the shepherds near the town of Bethlehem. Bethlehem was a little town. We sang about it tonight, to this little town of no great renown. We don't sing, oh, huge metropolis of Bethlehem. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Because Bethlehem at the time had a small population, it's actually half the size of some of the Florida's smallest towns. If you've ever been to Live Oak, Florida, or Stark, or Melrose, which is where we have our family camp, those are double the size in population of little town of Bethlehem. The shepherds hear this great announcement about a savior who is to be born who is the son of david who is christ the lord and what do they see when they arrive a baby lying in a feeding trough a manger we're told earlier in luke chapter 2 verse 7 that there was no room at the inn in bethlehem and so they're in this stable that's what god did the son of god was born in a place where food is served for farm animals? It's gross. How how can this be? Why would God, who can orchestrate anything, orchestrate to send His Son, the High and Holy One, in such a humble and lowly way? Why would the most most relevant person, whoever was, Come in the most irrelevant way. Well, his birth was just the beginning. Jesus is the humble Christ. The humble Christ. He came as the high and holy one, the one who upholds your breath right now, my breath right now. He came as the high and holy one to do what we could not do for ourselves. He humbles himself. To save us from our sins. The rest of the Bible unpacks this. Uh, 2 Corinthians 8 9 is one of these verses. It says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. Jesus was very rich. Very relevant. He shared eternal glory with His Father, and yet He became poor. That is, He took on human flesh, and He took on sin, and He died at the hands of the very people He created. And 2 Corinthians 8 9 tells us why. So that you and me, by His poverty, might become rich. You see, when a person puts their faith in Jesus Christ, everything that he did, everything that makes Jesus, Jesus and rich gets credited to our account. And we become rich by his obedience. Something we could never do on our own. Now, perhaps you had a good year in 2023. Perhaps you were nice and expect your name to be on the nice list. Well, the Bible's record over and over again is that actually none of us is good enough to be on the nice list. There is one perfectly obedient person, and it was Jesus Christ. We're actually all on the naughty list. And as a person trusts Jesus, Jesus credits His obedience to us. So that when God looks at us, He looks at us as obedient. He looks at us as righteous. He looks at us as in a right standing with the Father. So Jesus becomes poor by bearing our debt of sin. He's a humble Christ. Another verse, Matthew 20, 28, says this of Jesus. This is actually Jesus speaking of Himself about His mission. He says, The Son of Man... That's Him referring to Himself. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. our, Our world esteems being served. In fact, the more relevant you are, the more people attend to you and serve you. That's how things work in the world. But Jesus did not come to be served. He could have. He's the most relevant person who ever was. He could have come to a palace, but He came to a cross. He came to serve by giving up His life as a ransom for many. You know, when I am, at times, had a a long day and I'm driving home to be with my family or I've been away on a trip... I often quote, this is the most quoted verse that I bring to mind and I rehearse. I'm like, okay, I'm going home. Everything in me wants to be served and now that I'm coming home. And so I quote this verse, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And I, I thank God, I, I thank him that that's why Jesus came. And then I ask him for strength. Lord, would you help me As I enter into home to serve Crystal, to serve my kids, to exemplify this heart that is our salvation. The effect of this humble night and the effect of this humble Christ is to humble you and me. The birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus are meant to humble us and to change how we view what is most relevant. You know, after the shepherds heard this incredible announcement, I mean, look at what they did. Look back at Luke 2, verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. As it had been told them. Notice with me, the angels never commanded the shepherds to go to Bethlehem. They went out of joy, they went out of amazement. They're like, We just heard this announcement. What do you want to do? I want to go to Bethlehem. It's the most spectacular night of probably many dull shepherding nights. This this topped them all. And then after seeing Jesus, it says they returned glorifying and praising for all they had seen and heard. What did they see? They saw a baby in the feeding trough. And an exhausted teenage mother. That's what they saw. And they came back glorifying and praising God for everything they'd seen. I had this period when I was a teenager where I just thought it was so cool to be sarcastic and cynical about everything. It was very, like, if you had met me, you would say, oh, no, there's really no hope for him, and I wouldn't have blamed you for that uh, in my teenage years. So more than once, I would go to, like, a site uh, it, could be, it could have been like a national park or an amusement park ride or whatever. And then I would say, well, that was lame. Like Whatever it is I saw, and that was like my teenage response. Oh, that was lame. And I could see the shepherds going to Bethlehem, coming back from Bethlehem and going, well, we were told all that great stuff by the angels, but all we saw was a baby. That was lame. And the world largely responds to Christmas, the real meaning of Christmas that way. Which is why there's this, they feel the need. Wait, let's add Santa, let's add elves and reindeer and shopping and songs and family and food and lights and trees and all these things that have nothing to do with the the birth of Jesus Christ. But the shepherds, they don't come away saying, That was lame. They come away. Rejoicing, glorifying, and praising God. You know, by faith they see this baby isn't just a baby. This is the hope of all the world. This is what we've been waiting for. All that happened with Jesus and all that is written down for our instruction is so that you and I would know Him personally as the most relevant person Whoever was. He is no Mr. Irrelevant, and this was no irrelevant night. He is the most important person who ever was, and it's for you and I to know him that way. John chapter 20 says that now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Believe and have life in the name of Jesus. Christmas reminds us of a number of things. Christmas reminds us of the problem of sin. In fact, if sin wasn't so big a problem, if it wasn't the biggest problem, we wouldn't have needed Christmas. We wouldn't have needed Jesus to come. So Christmas reminds us of sin. It's also a reminder that we could not save ourselves. In a little bit, we're going to sing the song, O Holy Night, or hear it sung. It says, long lay the world in sin and air pining. That was the status. We couldn't save ourselves. We needed the Father to send the Son. And so Christmas reminds us of that. It's also a reminder that this gift calls for a response from each and every one of us, from the youngest here to the oldest. It calls for a response. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart receive Every individual heart, prepare Him room. He is not irrelevant. He is not lame. Jesus Christ is the High and Holy One, but He humbled Himself to save us. This Christmas, let us receive Him. Let us believe in Him and have life in His name. Let's pray. Lord, that is our desire here. For everyone who knows you, Lord, we want to know you better. We want to continue to receive this joy and to continue to receive the good news of Christmas. Lord, the bad news of how bad it was and the good news of what you have done. Who would have dreamed that God would send his son? And we are grateful. And I pray, Lord, this afternoon, this evening, as we are gathered here rehearsing these things, I pray for anyone who has relegated Jesus to irrelevant or lame, the true meaning of Christmas as lame, Lord, that there would be a revival. Lord, that you would awaken hearts and lives to see what you have done and to prepare room to receive, to say, yes, I am indeed a sinner I see Jesus as a great Savior. I want to trust in Him alone for the rest of my life and eternity. I want to have life in His name. And we pray you would impart that to us this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, church, we're going to celebrate tonight with candlelight Jesus as the light of the world, he came into the world as the light of the world, John one chapter, uh, chapter one, verse nine says, "The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world, and so tonight, with this this light of candles, we want to celebrate and remember Jesus as the true light the world And ourselves, we were in darkness because of our sin. But Jesus came to dispel this darkness. Many of you may have received candles as you came in. If you didn't get a candle, um, they are on this table right over here. And you can grab one as we celebrate this. Uh, We're going to start, the ushers are going to start lighting candles from the front and the sides of the rows. And if you would, just share with the people next to you until all the candles are lit. This is a visual symbol of what we're so grateful for in Jesus. Jesus declared himself in John eight twelve. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Walking in darkness is dangerous. Walking in spiritual darkness is fatal. Jesus came to bring us out of our sin, and he said, For all who trust in him, you will have the light of life. And the effect that this has, Jesus called himself the light of the world, but he also said in Matthew 5, He said, You, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So, let us take this in. I don't know if this one's going to light, though. I don't see a wick on my candle, so if you got a candle, like... No, no, I'll go get one. Thank you. Thank you, AJ. I appreciate that. Let's try again, Ed. Let's try again, Andrew. Thank you. Wow, oh, that's better. Thank you, sir. Jesus is the light of the world. And by faith in him, He calls us to let our light shine before others so that they'll see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. Let's sing together.